Today, Pastor David continues our series, Comfort and Joy. Today, we'll see that God wants to give us perfect peace. So take a moment now and prepare your heart for today's service. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone that had, what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all, all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that many years ago, Jesus entered our world. And that he came in the form of a baby to grow up and live this life the same way that we do every day. But he lived it perfectly. Father, that perfect Lamb of God became our perfect Savior. And we are so thankful for it today. God, we want to make that Savior our Lord. Just as He came to be. We thank You for it today. Open our hearts to receive Your Word today. Let it penetrate us deep within our soul. And we give You praise for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. I told you last week, I love this season. I love this time of year because I love the story. And in fact, with stories, every story that you see on TV, every story that you see in the movies and specials right now, most every single one of those stories ends in a good way, doesn't it? Right? Let's take a journey. Let's remember some of these, right? You, you probably know this when Mikey gets his red rider, right? I mean, yeah, it's always good. You're going to shoot your eye out, kid. But, um, but we, we know that. He's good. We talked about this one last week, the Grinch. His heart grows three sizes that day, right? Now, you guys didn't get to see this picture in the second, because I showed this one in the second service last week. We put it up. This is our one of our keyboard players, piano players. This is Graham uh, right here as the Grinch. It's awesome. But anyway, we know this one, right? Buddy reunites with his dad. I mean, hope you find your dad. He did. He found his dad. It was good. Buddy reunites with his dad. Clark. Clark gets his Christmas bonus with the help of his goofball brother, right? I mean, it's... We know that, that that takes place. We know, too, that every insane love story on Hallmark ends out exactly the way you know it's going to end out. I mean, look look at the cover for every... I mean, this is just a small... They're all the same, people. Every single one of them, they're all the same. But they end up the way you want. And we can't forget Charlie's friends, right? They rally around him and that little Christmas tree after Linus reminds them all what Christmas is 
is all about, right? All these stories, all these things, they end in a good, in a good way. But we know that life's not like that, right? We know that life doesn't always end the way we hoped it would end. That, that we, we proclaim that, that this is a season of comfort and joy. But in fact, the season that we often feel in our life is a season of stress and unrest, right? This is what we typically feel. And you come into this season and you think about all the more stress and unrest that gets added to this season because you start thinking about the gifts and getting gifts and buying gifts. And you're wondering, do we have enough money to buy gifts and to get gifts and to get, uh, you know, if we got kids, do we have enough to get the kids the things they want? Are, are our kids going to be grateful for the gifts that we get them? Or are they going to act like entitled little minions when they come down and they see these? I'm kidding, of course. But we, all, we want our kids to be thankful, right? We want them to be thankful. You, we parents, I'm sure you've had this speech with your children before as well. You know, when you open the gift, I don't care if you like it or not. You smile, you say thank you, and you get up and hug whoever gave you that gift, right? That's the speech that we give our child as, as, as we're growing up. But, but it's the, 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 the stress and the unrest of gift giving, right? It comes with the season. It comes with the territory. And, and wives, I want to let you in on a little something. Your husbands are stressed right now. Your husbands are stressed. They don't know exactly what to get you. They're not picking up on your hints. They are clueless about your clues, okay? They, they have no idea... Just write it down and tell them, this is what I want. Go buy this for me. Or maybe just go buy it and tell them, you got me this for Christmas, all right? I mean, that's, that's going to save a lot of stress and a lot of, that is bad marriage advice, okay? But that's, that is, generally, generally speaking, that's the truth, okay? So, so, I mean, there's a lot of stress, a lot of unrest. Decorations, decorations cause stress. And unrest, we don't, we don't, you know, we're, we're trying to compete with the people around us. Does my house look as good as everybody else's house that I see? We go visit somebody and they got all this pretty stuff in their house. We've got to make another trip to Hobby Lobby because we need something else for the mantle, right? We've got to go. We've got to make our house look good. We've got, we compete with the outside. Of the, I live where nobody sees my house. I'm thankful. I put nothing on the outside of my house. I love Christmas decorations, but what's the point? Nobody sees my house. So, 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 but we, we got people that are competing to, to see who's got, you watch the movie deck the halls is a perfect picture of people vying over whose house is going to look the best. You remember Tim, the tool man, he always wanted his house to look better than everybody else's house in the neighborhood. Right. And this is it. I love, I told you last week, I love riding around, looking at decorations, looking at people's lights, looking at people's houses and all this stuff. But I also love when people do things like this. I'm waiting to find a house in, in, in town that does that show off. Just put a sign up in your yard and point to the house beside you. I'm waiting to find that. I might leave that house a tip if they do that. Cause I just think that's hilarious. That brings me joy. That's laughter, right? But this is a season stress and unrest. It comes with the territory you, and your calendar. You look at your calendar this time of year and all of a sudden you get stressed because of your calendar. You're seeing everything that you've got to go to, every business function, every Christmas party, everything you've got to do. And introverts, I understand. I know your pain. You are not looking forward to any of it. The party's going to be good for you when the party's over. You're like, how long do we have to stay at this thing? I understand. I get it, right? I know, but this is stress and unrest that comes with the season. It comes with the territory. This is supposed to be a season of comfort and joy. All we have is a season of stress and unrest. That's why our hope has to be in something deeper. That's why we have to have a peace that goes beyond our ability to understand the seasons that we live in. Today, I want us to understand. I want us to grab. And when we walk out of here, I hope my prayer is that you know, that you realize 
that you have a perfect peace available to you through a perfect Savior. You've got a perfect peace available to a perf- through a perfect Savior. Last week, we looked at Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah, I told you how often Isaiah is prof- uh, uh, mentioned throughout the New Testament, one of the most quoted prophets in the New Testament. But Isaiah chapter 40, when he makes this transition to go into this theme of repentance, he starts it off saying, comfort, comfort for my people. Isaiah, throughout that passage, he's reminding us and he's letting us know in the world that we live in, this world that's filled with sadness, that's filled with trouble, this cruel world that we live in. And despite all of it, we can have peace. We can be made joyful. That there are good tidings, as the season says, as the song says, of comfort, of joy available to us. It's called the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that good news brings with it peace. But how do we get this peace? How do we obtain this peace? What is this peace? How do we live in this peace? I believe we discover it deep within the context of Luke chapter 2. And, what, and it starts out by happening. You've got shepherds out in a field doing what they do all the time, every day, watching their flock. Just watching their flock. And, and in the middle of their watching their flock, they have no idea that a birth had just taken place. There's probably births taking place all around them. Just like us right now, there's births taking place at the hospital. We have no clue who's being born. But there in that field, these births are taking place, and all of a sudden an angel appears, a messenger from God. And he lets these shepherds know that a perfect lamb has been born. A perfect lamb. Now, their immediate reaction was what? It was one of fear. And I imagine that would have been most of our reactions. I mean, I don't think that that was a constant occurrence in the fields, right? Just somebody showing up all, all of a sudden out of the blue. There they were, right? So I imagine it's, it's an understandable reaction. They fear. But in the middle of their fear, this messenger quickly tells them, don't be afraid. Rest. Take comfort. And this is a reminder to us that in the middle of our mess where our reaction is often one of fear, in the middle of our mess is comfort. In the middle of our mess is a message of hope. And that's what this season should remind us. That every day, we we get it, every day is not joy and triumph. We get that. But this season, Christmas reminds us that there is a message of hope for those who live in despair. It's available to us and it's right there for us. So the angel looks at the shepherds and and he tells them, look, I come to you today with good news. A savior has been born. See, this was the greatest gift that the world would ever be given. A savior had been born. This was a savior that, 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 that came to free them in their life. Now, the announcement of there being a savior meant that there was something that they needed to be saved from. There was something that we needed to be saved from. And just like them, oftentimes we don't even realize what we need to be saved from. But see, this message declared that one has come to take our place and pay our price. That's why it's the greatest gift that was ever given. So what's the place that had to be taken? Well, ever since Adam and Eve, sin has separated man from God. And we have needed a way. Mankind needed a way 
for the relationship with God to be repaired. But see, God knew all along that Adam and Eve were going to mess up. And God had a plan from the very beginning to take care of it. He had a plan in place to lead up to the perfect time that the perfect plan would be revealed. And that plan was Jesus Christ. Peter, when he wrote his first letter in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, he said it this way, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. It was not paid with mere gold or silver, silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. That's why we call him the perfect lamb. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But Peter says now, in these last days, he's been revealed for your sake. And he's talking about the days that Jesus was on this earth. Our sins separate us from God. Again, Isaiah, one of the most quoted prophets in the New Testament. Isaiah chapter 59, he said this, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away from you and will not listen anymore. He's telling this to the nation of Israel. But the, the principle holds true to us today. Our sins cut us off from God. Paul spoke to it this way in his second letter to the uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. He writes in his letter to the Romans, he expands a little bit more, Romans chapter 5. When we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time, the perfect time, and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. In other words, while we were no good at all in our sin. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Jesus took our place And because he took our place, we can have peace. We have peace in our souls. We have peace in our hearts. We have peace in our minds. That's the peace you want. That's the peace that you need. That's the peace that you receive when receiving the declaration that a Savior has been born for you. And this Savior came and gave his life for you. But the angel didn't stop with just saying, a Savior has been born. He kept going. And he said this, he said, who is Christ the Lord? See, allegiance in that day in the Roman Empire was to Caesar. I mean, you go to the very beginning of Luke, we start in verse 8. If you go to Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. It says, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus, Caesar Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken. What does that mean? The whole reason they were in Bethlehem was because Caesar issued a decree. In other words, Rome didn't care who you worshipped as long as you knew and as long as you realized that at the end of the day, Caesar Augustus had final say in everything. And he had final say in your life. So for the angel to come and make this declaration, it was a direct confrontation to the Roman Empire that today the Lord has been born and has stepped foot on this earth. And it's a direct confrontation to our world as well. 
Because if we're honest, we, we don't mind Jesus' influence in our life. We'll receive his influence. We'll receive the teachings that we like. But we're very slow to make him Lord of our life. We're very slow to give up control of the things that we don't want to give up in our life. But we've got to receive the declaration that unto us was born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He's who Isaiah, again, Isaiah called him the Prince of Peace. And Luke tells us next that the angel was joined by a choir, a host of angels. And this choir begins to sing and make proclamations of God. And they they demonstrate God gets all the glory and gives us all of his peace. Because what do they begin to sing? What do they begin to proclaim? They say glory to God in the highest. And what else? Peace on earth. It's what we pray for every year. I want peace on earth. God, give us peace on earth. God's given peace through his son, Jesus Christ. And who's it to? The angels are singing. They say to all whom God is pleased. Who is God pleased with? Well, that goes back to the angel's declaration. He is pleased with those who receive this savior who was born, who is Christ the Lord. If you look at the words of the author, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. What does he say? It is impossible to please God without faith. Without faith in Him as your Savior and your Lord. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. I get it. We want peace, but we've got tension. We've got misunderstandings. We've got disagreements. We've got heartbreak. We've got bitterness in our life. We want peace. We want comfort. We want joy, but we've got stress. We've got unrest. The peace that we need, the peace that we want is available in Jesus Christ. Again, let's go back to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Look at how he starts that verse. You will keep in perfect Peace, perfect peace. Now we, we read that and we think perfect peace. You've heard me say that several times, perfect peace. The only peace we know is inconsistent peace, imperfect peace. We don't know perfect peace, but God says through Isaiah, he says, you have perfect peace available to us. What is this peace? The word is a Hebrew word. That's the word shalom, shalom, not slalom has nothing to do with the Winter Olympic sport. Shalom, right? It means complete, whole, fullness of peace. Warren Wiersbe, a pastor, a theologian, died just a few years ago. He described peace in relation to Jesus Christ, this perfect peace in relation to the birth of Jesus Christ this way. He said, shalom means much more than a truce in the battles of life. It has to do more with character than circumstances. Life was difficult at that time, talking about the birth of Jesus, just as it is today. Taxes were high. Unemployment was was high. Morals were slipping lower. The military state was in control. Roman law, Greek philosophy, and even 
Jewish religion could not meet the needs of man's hearts. But then God sent his son. And that brought with it perfect peace. Jesus Christ is our perfect peace and he brings with it, with, with him perfect peace. He's the peace we want and we need. This perfect peace is peace with him. It's peace with others. It's peace with ourselves and it's peace with our circumstance and the circumstances we face. It is complete, whole fullness of peace. Now listen, Jesus was very clear that it doesn't mean that you won't have problems in the world and in your life. He said this to his disciples. He said it. You can find it in the book of John chapter 16. He said this. I know, listen to me closely because this is very deep. It's very hard to understand. But he looked at his disciples and he told them this. He said, guys, in this world, you will have trouble. See, I get it. That's hard to understand. That's hard to, well, wait, what do you mean? He means in this world, you will have trouble. He means it exactly how he said it. But he keeps going and he says, but take heart because I've overcome. What is he saying? He's saying your perfect peace is in me. What Jesus is saying and what Isaiah says is that peace is not found in the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of God. Isaiah keeps going. Isaiah chapter 26, he keeps going after that. God will give you perfect peace to all who trust in you, who trust in God, whose thoughts are fixed on him, on God. So see, perfect peace is found in the exact same place where the angel told the shepherds to look. It's found in a savior who was born, who is Christ the Lord. That's where your perfect peace is today. We can't stop with just getting that. We have to see what happens next. What were the shepherds' response? We need to, we need to pay close attention to their response. Luke chapter 2, verse 15. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see. In other words, let's go discover. The announcement about the peace is not good enough. You hearing the good news is not good enough. You've got to pursue the good news. You've got to chase the good news. You've got to go after the good news. You've got to discover the good news. The angel said, let's go see it. Let's go discover it. Let's go find it. Peace is a gift that comes with salvation through the Savior who came to be your Lord. And just like any other gift at Christmas that says under your Christmas tree that's wrapped... Even if that gift has your name on it, you know this. Even if that gift has your name on it, that gift means nothing and does nothing for you if you don't go get that gift and unwrap that gift and possess that gift and make use of that gift. You've got to receive the gift that has been given to you of a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's go. Let's see it. Let's discover it. And then what, it is, what does it say that they did? It says that they told the people around them all about what the angel had said to them. They proclaimed what they had been told. They proclaimed everything that they were seeing. And that's a posture that was continued through with the disciples. Look at Acts chapter 4 verse 20. Look at what Peter and John said, what they told the people who were about trying to punish them. They said, we can't stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. 
That should be our mantra. We cannot stop telling about everything that we've seen and heard. We cannot stop telling about the good news of Jesus Christ that has come into our life. This gift that has come through a Savior who is Christ the Lord, a gift that brings with it peace. Because when we find peace in a Savior who is our Lord, we should be wanting to share that news with everyone that we can. To go and tell it on the mountains (laughs) that Jesus Christ was born. A king had come. And when we do, I know that the news, as it shares, people, just like in this day, they are astonished. They're astonished at the good news of Jesus. Then what happens? Look at Luke 2, verse 20. The very start of the shepherds went back to their flocks. They just went back to work. You're like, well, that's disappointing. You know, God changes their life. Shouldn't something new happen in their life? Shouldn't there be a new thing for them, a new opportunity, a new experience, something new they get to go and do? And, and they go back to their flocks. They go back to the common, everyday aspect of their life. But see, that's the thing about Jesus. We experience moments with Christ. We want to stay in that moment. I don't want to ever leave that moment. I don't ever want to walk away from that. We're like Peter when we're on the mountainside with Jesus at the transfiguration. Peter's like, let's just build some huts. Let's build some houses. Let's live here. Let's stay here for the rest of our life. We don't ever need to leave this. I know there's other guys back there. Maybe they'll eventually come looking for us. We don't need to go anywhere. Let's just stay right here. And Jesus is like, no, we can't do that. Why? Because Jesus wants you to take his presence into every place you go and reflect his peace. It's not meant to just say, go back. Take it back. Now, did they go back the same way they left? No. Because once you've experienced Jesus, he transforms your life. Do you still battle with things? Absolutely. Do you still have things you've got to overcome and that you've got, you struggle with? You're going to have to ask forgiveness for? You're going to have to ask forgiveness from others for? Absolutely. But God is working in your life and he's transforming you. And what does it say the shepherds do? They go back to their flocks. Look at verse 2, verses 20. They went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God. See, I bet they didn't do their jobs the same way they did before. Their life was now a life that glorified and praised God. There's no doubt that peace on earth is a rare commodity. There are wars that are happening. There's rumors of more. And that's nothing new. There's, there's violence in the streets. There's divorces that are happening. There are families that are estranged. There are friendships that are broken. And peace often feels like a dream. But in Christ, peace is a reality. And not only is it a, re- a reality, it's perfect peace. It's perfect peace that's found in him. And and listen to this. He told his disciples, Jesus told his disciples before he left. You see it in John chapter 14, verse 27. Look at what he tells them. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. He says, I don't give like the world. So what? Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. He's given you the gift of peace. We've already talked about that. But think about the words. He's leaving it with you. When you leave something with someone, you're typically entrusting what you left with them. 
You are entrusting them with what you've given them. That's what Jesus was doing with his disciples. That's what Jesus does with us. He gives us peace, but he entrusts us with it. You think about all that Jesus called us to. He called us to love our neighbors as ourselves. He called us to turn the other cheek. He called us to go the extra mile. He told us to forgive. He told us to reject greed. We're taught to tolerate each other's weaknesses. We're told to serve one another. We're told to submit to one another. We're told to love one another in the same way that he loved us. Paul directed us in his writings. He said, don't just pretend to love people. We're good at that, aren't we? I can fake it till I make it. I can pretend that I love you. I can smile till you turn around. You, we laugh because we do it. Paul says, don't pretend to love people. Really love them. And as you really love them, rejoice in the hope that you've gotten from him. And as much as it depends on you, as much as you can, what does Paul tell him? He's, he, you can find it in Romans chapter 12. He says, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Why? Because Jesus has left you the gift of peace. He has given it to you as a gift so that you can have perfect peace. And he's entrusted you to carry that peace with you. Take his presence into every place you go and reflect his peace. Understand today, a savior was born. A savior gave his life for you. A savior defeated death, gave you victory over it. And that savior wants to be your Lord. When you make him savior and Lord of your life, you begin to walk in perfect peace. And then you can take that perfect peace with you into everything you do this season, everything you do every day of your life, and you can reflect that peace in the world around you. In a world that's full of stress and unrest, you can carry with you a perfect peace peace that is full of comfort and joy. Stand with me this morning. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your comfort that comes to us through the perfect peace that you have given us. Through the perfect lamb became our perfect Savior and Lord. God, I pray today for every person in this room, every person watching online, whose lives are often constant, or whose lives are often reflecting imperfect and inconsistent peace. God, I pray today that in those moments that want to bring stress and unrest, that we're reminded that we have a Savior and a Lord who has brought us perfect peace. We're at peace with God. We can be at peace with others, with ourselves, with our circumstances because of Jesus.
Help us to rest in that today. Help us to rest in the perfect peace of God in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you today, if you've never made your Savior and your Lord, to do that. Paul says, we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. All the Hebrews said it. It's impossible to please God without faith. You believe that Jesus Christ came, that he was who he said he was, that he gave his life for you, that he died and he resurrected again for you, for your life. Despite everything you're facing right now, he's come to bring you salvation, to bring you hope, to bring you peace. So we confess that faith and we say, God, I want you to be Lord. So I encourage you today to make that proclamation, to make that prayer, to believe and to make that prayer, make that proclamation that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. And as you do, you can celebrate and you can worship and you can know that fear is not your future. Sickness is not your story. Heartbreak is not your home. That he's given you something new for your life. Say hello to peace today. Say hello to joy. Say hello to hope. Say hello to him. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your Lord. Father, we give you this day. We give you this time. We worship you in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccanbin.com. Go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.